Volume Nine, Chapter One of Cecilia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Valli. Cecilia, Memoirs of Inheris by Francis Burney. Volume Nine, Chapter One. A Cogitation. Lady Margaret Monckton received Cecilia with the most gloomy coldness. She apologized for the liberty she had taken in making use of her ladyship's house, but meeting no return of civility, she withdrew to the room which had been prepared for her, and resolved as much as possible to keep out of her sight. It now became necessary without delay to settle her plan of life and fix her place of residence. The forbidding looks of Lady Margaret made her hasten her resolves, which otherwise would for a while have given way to grief for her recent misfortune. She sent for the surveyor, who had the superintendence of her estates, to inquire how soon her own house would be fit for her reception, and heard there was yet work for near two months. This answer made her very uncomfortable. To continue two months under the roof with Lady Margaret was a penance she could not enjoin herself, nor was she at all sure Lady Margaret would submit to it any better. She determined, therefore, to release herself from the conscious burden of being an unwelcome visitor by boarding with some creditable family at Bury, and devoting the two months in which she was to be kept from her house to a general arrangement of her affairs and a final settling with her guardians. For these purposes it would be necessary she should go to London, but with whom, or in what manner, she could not decide. She desired, therefore, another conference with Mr. Monckton, who met her in the parlour. She then communicated to him her schemes, and begged his counsel in her perplexities. He was delighted at the application, and extremely well pleased with her design of boarding at Bury, well knowing he could then watch and visit her at his pleasure and have far more comfort in her society than even in his own house, where all the vigilance with which he observed her was short of that with which he was himself observed by Lady Margaret. He endeavoured, however, to dissuade her from going to town, but her eagerness to pay the large sum she owed him was now too great to be conquered. Of age, her fortune wholly in her power, and all attendance upon Mrs. Charlton at an end, 
she had no longer any excuse for having a debt in the world and would suffer no persuasion to make her begin her career in life with a negligence in settling her accounts which she had so often censured in others to go to london therefore she was fixed and all that she desired was his advice concerning the journey he then told her that in order to settle with her guardians she must write to them in form to demand an account of the sums that had been expended during her minority and announce her intention for the future to take the management of her fortune into her own hands she immediately followed his directions and consented to remain at the grove till their answers arrived being now therefore unavoidably fixed for some time at the house she thought it proper and decent to attempt softening lady margaret in her favour she exerted all her powers to please and to oblige her but the exertion was necessarily vain not only from the disposition but the situation of her ladyship since every effort made for this conciliatory purpose rendered her doubly amiable in the eyes of her husband and consequently to herself more odious than ever her jealousy already but too well founded received every hour the poisonous nourishment of fresh conviction which so much sought and exasperated a temper naturally harsh that her malignity and ill-humour grew daily more acrimonious nor would she have consented herself with displaying this irascibility by general moroseness had not the same suspicious watchfulness which discovered to her the passion of her husband served equally to make manifest the indifference and innocence of cecilia to reproach her therefore she had not any pretence though her knowledge how much she had to dread her passed current in her mind for sufficient reason to hate her the angry and the violent use little discrimination whom they like they inquire not if they prove but whoever no matter how unwittingly stands in their way they scruple not to illuse and conclude they may laudably detest cecilia though much disgusted gave not over her attempt which she considered but as her due while she continued in her house her general character also for peevishness and haughty ill-breeding skilfully from time to time displayed and artfully repined at by mr monckton still kept her from suspecting any peculiar animosity to herself and made her impute all that passed to the mere rancour of ill-humour she confined herself however as much as possible to her own apartment where her sorrow for mrs charlton almost hourly increased by the comparison she was forced upon 
making of her house with the grove. That worthy old lady left her granddaughters her co-heiresses and sole executrixes. She bequeathed from them nothing considerable, though she left some donations for the poor and several of her friends were remembered by small legacies. Among them, Cecilia had her picture and favorite trinkets with a paragraph in her will that as there was no one she so much loved had her fortune been less splendid she should have shared with her granddaughters whatever she had to bestow cecilia was much affected by this last and solemn remembrance she more than ever coveted to be alone that she might grieve undisturbed and she lamented without ceasing the fatigue and the illness which in so late a period as it proved of her life she had herself been the means of occasioning to her mr monckton had too much prudence to interrupt this desire of solitude which indeed caused him little pain as he considered her least in danger when alone she received in about a week answers from both her guardians mr delvile's letter was closely to the purpose without a word but of business and couched in the haughtiest terms as he had never he said acted he had no accounts to send in but as he was going to town in a few days he would see her for a moment in the presence of mr briggs that a joint release might be signed to prevent any further application to him cecilia much lamented there was any necessity for her seeing him at all and looked forward to the interview as the greatest modification she could suffer mr briggs though still more concise was far kinder in his language but he advised her to defer her scheme of taking the money into her own hands assuring her she would be cheated and had better leave it to him when she communicated these epistles to mr monckton he failed not to read with an emphasis by which his arrogant meaning was still more arrogantly enforced the letter of mr delvile aloud nor was he sparing in comments that might render it yet more offensive cecilia neither concurred in what he said nor opposed it but contented herself when he was silent with producing the other letter mr monckton read not this with more favour he openly attacked the character of briggs as covetous rapacious and overreaching and warned her by no means to abide by his counsel without first taking the opinion of some disinterested person he then stated the various arts which might be practised upon her inexperience and enumerated the dangers to which her ignorance of business exposed her and 
annotated about the cheats, double dealings, and tricks of stock jobbing, to which he assured her Mr. Briggs owed all he was worth, till, perplexed and confounded, she declared herself at a loss how to proceed, and earnestly regretted that she could not have his counsel upon the spot. This was his aim, to draw the wish from her, drew all suspicion of selfish views from himself, and he told her that he considered her present situation as so critical, the future confusion or regularity of her money transactions seeming to depend upon it, that he would endeavour to arrange his affairs for meeting her in London. Cecilia gave him many thanks for the kind intention and determined to be totally guided by him in the disposal and direction of her fortune. Meantime, he had now another part to act. He saw that with Cecilia nothing more remained to be done, and that, harbouring not a doubt of his motives, she thought his design in her favour did her nothing but honour but he had too much knowledge of the world to believe it would judge him in the same manner, and too much consciousness of duplicity to set its judgment at defiance. To parry, therefore, the conjectures which might follow his attending her, he had already prepared Lady Margaret to wish herself of the party. For however disagreeable to him, was her presence and her company, he had no other means to be under the same roof with Cecilia. Miss Bennet, the wretched tool of his various schemes and the mean sycophant of his lady, had been employed by him to work upon her jealousy by secretly informing her of his intention to go to town at the same time that Cecilia went thither to meet her guardians. She pretended to have learned this intelligence by accident, and to communicate it from respectful regard, and advised her to go to London herself at the same time, that she might see into his designs and be some check upon his pleasure. The increasing infirmities of Lady Margaret made this counsel by no means palatable, but Miss Bennet, following the artful instructions which she received, put in her way so strong a motive by assuring her how little her company was wished that in the madness of her spite she determined upon the journey. And little heeding, how she tormented herself while she had any view of tormenting Mr. Monckton, she was led on by her false confidant to invite Cecilia to her own house. Mr. Monckton, in whom by long practice artifice was almost nature, well knowing his wife's perverseness, affected to look much disconcerted at the proposal, while Cecilia, 
by no means thinking it necessary to extend her compliance to such a punishment instantly made an apology and declined the invitation lady margaret little versed in civility and unused to the arts of persuasion could not even for a favourite project prevail upon herself to use entreaty and therefore thinking her scheme defeated looked gloomily disappointed and said nothing more mr monckton saw with delight how much this difficulty inflamed her though the moment he could speak alone with cecilia he made it his care to remove it she repre he represented to her that however privately she might live she was too young to be in london lodgings by herself and gave an hint which she could not but understand that in going or in staying with only servants suspicions might soon be raised that the plan and motive of her journey were different to those given out she knew he meant to insinuate that it would be conjectured she designed to meet delvile and though colouring and vexed and provoked at the suggestion the idea was sufficient to frighten her into his plan in a few days therefore the matter was wholly arranged mr monckton by his skill and address leading every one whither he pleased while by the artful coolness of his manner he appeared but to follow himself he set out the day before though earnestly wishing to accompany them but having as yet in no singular instance gone to town in the same carriage with lady margaret he dared trust neither the neighbourhood nor the servants with so dangerous a subject for their comments cecilia compelled thus to travel with only her ladyship and miss bennet had a journey the most disagreeable and determined if possible to stay in london but two days she had already fixed upon a house in which she could board at bury when she returned and there she meant quietly to reside till she could enter her own lady margaret herself exhilarated by a notion of having outwitted her husband was in unusual good spirits and almost in good humour the idea of thwarting his designs and being in the way of his entertainment gave to her a delight she had seldom received from anything and the belief that this was affected by the superiority of her cunning doubled her contentment and raised it to exultation she owed him indeed much provocation and uneasiness and was happy in this opportunity of paying her arrears meanwhile the consummate master in every species of hypocrisy indulged her in this notion by the air of dissatisfaction with which he left the house it was not that she meant by her presence to obviate any impropriety early and long acquainted with the character of cecilia she well knew that during her life the passion of her husband must be confined to his own breast but conscious 
of his aversion to herself which she resented with the bitterest ill-will and knowing how little at any time he desired her company she consoled herself for her inability to give pleasure by the power she possessed of giving pain and bore with fatigue of a journey disagreeable and inconvenient to her with no other view than the hope of breaking into his plan of avoiding her little imagining that the whole time she was forwarding his favourite pursuit and only acting the part which he had appointed her to perform. End of chapter 1